It's April 29, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 84. In this episode, I'll be talking about how to work out if you don't have the time. This one is a classic excuse, even for people whose reasonings may not be the greatest. I'll give you some tips there when it comes to getting your body moving with limited time on hand. And in the second topic for today, I talk about why you should not be training to failure. I saw a few people in the gym this week smack themselves with the weight because they're just pushing their sets way too close to failure or beyond in some cases. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Here's exactly why training full body can actually be so important when it comes to being consistent in the gym. And I'm a prime example of exactly why that is. I'll be transparent with how my training went this week. I hit an upper body workout this past Monday, pretty good workout, and then I was planning on doing lower body on Tuesday the next day. What do you think happened the next morning? Yep, hit snooze on my alarm, then I ended up missing my workout because I woke up late, and I know for sure I would not have missed that workout if I knew I was hitting some kind of upper body exercise that day, since that's my favorite part of the body to train. I hate doing legs. I still do sometimes, even after training for 8 years or something now. Therefore, I have less motivation to wake up at 4am to go and do that workout. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens to everyone every now and then. Again, this is why full body workouts are actually great, because instead of telling myself that I had to wake up at 4am the next day for legs, I actually decided on doing a full body day instead which means that I'm going to have to hit legs because I missed my leg day the previous day, and the reward there is that I get to hit upper body again since they did get adequate rest since I had a day in between workouts. That would usually be a day where I would be back to doing upper body again anyway since I've been doing upper-lower splits most weeks, but this is when a full body routine comes in handy. I ended up actually getting excited, waking up the next morning, So that workout was just some squats, stiff leg deadlifts, then one exercise of chest and back, and I touched arms for a bit. Nothing too crazy there, nothing groundbreaking. But yeah, I even get this from my clients as well. You can ask any personal trainer this, I'm sure they've experienced a situation like this. Especially if it's a guy, you'll notice um, when you look at a monthly schedule or even yearly, you'll notice that if you're doing a push-pull leg split or something like that, or even an upper-lower split, most guys will just miss more leg days than upper body days. I figured, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. That's a little bit unusual. Suddenly, on those lower body days, they have to cancel last minute. So yeah, I've noticed more cancellations on leg days. Once I started to train my clients with a full body routine, 
especially because I'm seeing them two or three times uh, per week most of the time, a full body workout is actually perfect there. Um, when we switch to doing full body workouts, I've been finding that clients are much more consistent and now they're pretty much forced to working out their legs a bit. Then we're going to do every guy's favorite exercises, which is usually chest or anything involving the shoulders or the arms, but we got to build a balance there. We can't just ignore half the body. So I had to figure out how to get a client to build the whole body. And that's where full, uh, full body routines help there. Now, with female clients, it's usually the opposite. They always want to hit legs or glutes, but then upper body days aren't too exciting. That's when my female clients would tend to miss workout days, again, before I was doing a full body split. So speaking of lifting, I did that a few times this week in case you're asking, but you're probably not. My most memorable lift, though, that was with my buddy Justin. He reached out to me to work out some upper body, and that was a great workout. I usually work out by myself, like 97% of the time I'll work out by myself. I feel like it's so much easier to stay on my own goals if I just lift by myself. I used to have a workout partner when I first started, and I learned a lot from those times, but I was younger, new to lifting, so I was just always looking for someone stronger than me who I could catch up to on exercises for like added motivation. And that would get me in trouble sometimes because working out with someone usually means uh, that you sometimes just do stupid shit you wouldn't normally do in the gym if you were working out by yourself. So things like maxing out or going way heavier than you were planning to go. The amount of times I had a plan and then just went off script because I was just younger and a kid. So usually the goal is always to lift as much weight as possible. But anyways, getting back to the workout, I definitely pushed myself more than my typical workouts have been lately. That was like a gut check moment for me. I hit bench press a bit heavier than normal, but still got into my desired eight rep, uh, eight reps per set. That eight rep rep, uh, <laughs> eight rep rep range. Okay, there you go. Uh, and I made sure to keep my tempo nice and slow there. Controlled the negative, nothing crazy like bouncing off the chest. I was just able to train however I normally trained that day, stayed on my plan, and focused. So we did two chest movements, some pull-ups, and for pull-ups I didn't do them weighted, just did body weight ones there, just nice and controlled. And then here's where I went a little bit off the rails. We ended up doing dips, tricep dips, and I've been doing weighted dips around 25 pounds, occasionally going up to 45 pounds at times. Well, this time, if you follow me on Instagram at Isaiah Copon or Isaiah.copon, sorry, you might have seen it on my story this past week. I was peer pressured into hitting two plates on dips. All right, I wasn't really peer pressured, I just wanted to try it out. The workout was almost over. I had more energy than I thought, so I just figured, why not just try it? I felt ready for it after doing the one plate or the 45 pounds. But when I had two plates there hanging off of me and I went to lift myself up for the first time, man, it's like my brain and my CNS had to like adjust to what I was doing because it felt super heavy at first. But after stabilizing and holding myself up there for a few seconds, I was able to bang out a few sets of that. I did almost three sets of eight, so that was actually good to know for future reference. I recorded that set, and I think I could have gone an inch or two lower, but the form was pretty good, in my opinion. 
as opposed to what it's been in the past. I think I've done a pretty good job over the past few years when it comes to form. I always say that's first and foremost over everything, and I stand by that if you see my own style of training. And recording videos has definitely helped me spot some of my errors in my own form, and that's what I always tell clients to do that as well. Like, record your sets and see if you're doing everything properly, especially if you don't have a trainer that's very useful, just to make sure you don't get too ahead of yourself with the weight that you're doing on some exercises. Just make sure your form is perfect before increasing the weight in your exercises. That's so important. All right, so on to the NBA real quick. Oh man, the Raptors. And this is exactly why I don't like talking about sports, because I'll say one thing, and then the opposite happens. First, I thought the Blackhawks were going to have a good season, maybe go for the cup, and they couldn't even make the playoffs, and the whole season was just an absolute train wreck. Then, the NBA playoffs are about to start, so I guess it was two weeks ago now, I said the Raptors have a great chance because they can uh, contain Embiid and Harden, and how we have Scotty Barnes now, he'll be the X-Factor. Turns out, Tyrese Maxey on Philadelphia was the X-Factor in the first few games. This guy was just scoring on everybody, especially in that first game, and that was probably the worst start to a playoff series that I can remember from Toronto. Raptors were down by like 20 points the whole game, and then in the fourth quarter, with them still being blown out, Scotty Barnes gets his ankle or his foot stepped on by Joel Embiid, and that's a big boy. So we lost him in the first game, and basically it looked like Shaq predicted it right after all. It was looking like a sweep for Philly now. Man, I was just sick watching Scotty Barnes go down. It didn't look good at all. And then the Raptors in game three on home court had the lead basically the whole game and then blew it right at the end. Precious Achua, he didn't make his free throws at the end of the game. Then in overtime, dramatic fashion, Joel Embiid pretty much at the buzzer hits a three-pointer and they go up three to nothing in the series. Looked like a sweep at that point. And then game four rolls around. Scotty gets his rookie of the year trophy. He comes off the bench that game. Yeah, that was a super close game, actually, but the Raptors squeaked the win out. And then in Philly, I think before the game, we found out that Joel Embiid has torn ligaments in his thumb that's going to need surgery at the end of the season. So he's not 100%. Injuries have just been a problem this year throughout the league. It seems like every playoffs lately. So the Raptors go into Philly, take that one, and they're back to Toronto tonight. So Philly is up 3-2. to two. If the Raptors can win it, the series is going to be tied, and no team in NBA history has come back from being down 3 nothing in the series. Uh, so we'll see. I'm just stating a fact there. And yeah, Scotty Barnes ended up coming back, played in our last two wins. It's like the opposite over there in Brooklyn. They got swept. Ben Simmons obviously wasn't going to play. Let's be real here. But yeah, back to Toronto tonight. Since I'm recording this podcast Thursday afternoon, I hope they pull off the win. There's some pressure for both teams right now. But if the Raptors do lose, I can still watch the Leafs, I guess, even though their playoff run is usually over in a week or something. Let's hope the Leafs can win the series this year, but regardless, they're going to have a tough opponent, whoever it is. But hey, at least, Aust- uh, at least Austin Matthews hit 60 goals this year. Now we just have to believe that he'll keep it up for the playoffs because that's been the real problem. Question one, how to exercise if you don't have the time? I get this one a lot. It's super common. 
You're going to have to deal with this quite a bit if you're a personal trainer. Everyone has time to exercise. The problem is when it comes to prioritizing exercise in your life. That's the hard part. But something that may help, you can think of the benefits when it comes to exercise, if that helps you. So think about prioritizing exercise and thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm going to go work out because that's what's going to have me in my best shape. Now that means you're able to do your job better. You live with less stress. You feel your best every day. Taking care of yourself should be first and foremost so that you can excel at the rest of your life. It's investing in yourself, really. I don't want to give the whole same old spiel like everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. You just got to block off those two hours and lift heavy shit and be hardcore intense. No pain, no gain. I'll sleep when I'm dead. See, that kind of mentality that usually surrounds the fitness industry as a whole, unfortunately, it turns off a lot of people to the idea that they can get in shape or improve their life with fitness because... That seems like too much effort and too difficult, and as a young trainer, that was usually my approach, but I've learned over the years a few ways to squeeze in exercise into your life. Before I get to that though, some things will have to change in your life. The point is, whatever you were doing up until now, it simply isn't working. It hasn't been getting you the results you desire, or you haven't even started working out consistently even though you told yourself that you would start last Monday. That's the bottom line. Whatever you're doing right now isn't working and something needs to change. Your current habits and whatever you've been doing up to this point have been the reason why you may feel a certain way about yourself. So your current identity is why you may not be seeing the fat loss you want or why you're someone who's constantly getting sick all the time or you're dealing with achy joints or some lower back pain. Stop doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe in terms of diet, that means a yo-yo diet where you eat salads occasionally and then eat out every other day. It just doesn't make sense. And you're probably further from your goals than uh, you're, you're probably further from your goals now than you were when you first started. In terms of not having a time or not having the time, sorry, there's never going to be a time where all the stars are going to line up for you to work out. There's always going to be dishes to wash, or emails to answer, or bosses' texts to reply to. You're always going to have the need to vacuum that corner in your house. The kids are always going to be busy playing sports and doing whatever other extracurricular activities. And that should always be a priority, that family life, but you have to make sure to live your own life too. You should want to be around them for as long as possible and you want to do it independently and with energy so that you can celebrate those moments with them. At least that's a bit of my thought process there and I don't even have kids right now. So how can you start exercising if you don't have the time? I think it's best to put some things in place so that it makes it harder for you to miss those workouts. Something that's helped me is something so simple and that's setting up my gym bags for the next day, doing my future self a favor there. And all that means is that my gym bag is all ready to go. That means my gym clothes are in there so I don't have to waste time and energy thinking about it in the morning. And then I put my gym bag in front of my bedroom door, the front door, or it's already in the car. That also means my lunch is already packed up and ready to go. Also, if I'm looking to eat healthier options, that's homemade instead of going out to eat. Now still, you might be thinking, okay, I still don't have time. Maybe that means the only way you can exercise every day is if you do it first thing in the morning. But sometimes 
AKA most of the time you miss that alarm because it's just, it's just so easy to ignore it. Personally, I use my phone as an alarm and that's not a great thing to do if you're someone who uses it right before bed. But what I'll do is I'll set my alarm on my phone and then I'll put my phone somewhere in the room where I have to physically get up and turn off the alarm in the morning. That means I have to actually stand up to turn it off and then consciously get back into bed if I do want to go back to sleep. And that does still happen at times, but more often than not, I'm up already, so I'll go about my day because my bag is already packed. That makes it easier because there's less of those mini roadblocks in the way of your goal here, which is to exercise when you can. Speaking about exercise, that could mean anything, really. Especially if you're just starting out with just moving in general, there's no real definition here when it comes to exercise, especially not knowing what the specific goals are. But since we know resistance training is the best thing to do in terms of health when it comes to strengthening your muscles and bones, improving cardio function, making your skin look better, whatever, etc. If you're short on time, it makes sense that you would want to lift weights of some sort. If you can, some sort of resistance training would be best. So, okay, still, you don't have time. Do you have 10 minutes to spare? I know mostly everyone can probably spend 10 less minutes on social media. I won't even talk about why that's so bad for your health, but take some of those minutes, make it useful. Realize that social media may no longer be just an app that you open to kill downtime or to laugh at memes to feel good. Instead, just get up and start moving. Can a 10 to 20 minute workout for you, uh, can that give you some decent results? 100%, especially if the comparison is you watching another Netflix episode and then you're going to snack as well, then yeah, the workout, no matter how small it is, that's going to be beneficial in your life. If you have time to constantly rummage through the Netflix catalog and find nothing or just scroll through endless, meaningless posts on Instagram, then you have enough time. You just have to make exercise a priority, and that's the tough part. People are always wanting to lose weight or be more fit or have more energy throughout the day, but when it comes down to it, People aren't willing to make the necessary sacrifices to make that happen. So something that could get you started, even if it's only 10 minutes of your day, should be resistance training. Some kind of exertion where your heart rate is elevated is actually good to train your heart to work efficiently. That'll help with your cardio and heart health since you're getting that sustained elevated heart rate. You can just do mini workouts to start. Focusing on full body or big compound movements, things like squats, walking lunges, which is going to work the whole lower body, your core, some upper body exercises work too if you have some dumbbells, shoulder presses for rows or push-ups, doing a little bit each day, and every day doesn't have to be perfect, but just do a bit each day. It doesn't even have to be full-blown resistance training either. If you really want to take it easy and maybe doing weights scare you a bit, you can still work on doing something great for your body. Some kind of mobility drills should also be included sometime during the day. This is something that could even just take five minutes. Find a lacking area in your body, hit up YouTube, practice one or two of those exercises, and trust me, do those slowly, and that's a workout right there. Even for me, sometimes I'll sweat more actually holding doing some iso hold movement i'll sweat more do, uh, doing that than a hard set of pull-ups or something like that plus those mobility drills if you're doing them properly and with intent 
Those will have you moving better in general, which is good when it comes to taking command of how your body moves and to reduce your risk of injury. Start off here, five to 10 minutes throughout the day. I'm sure you can find the time. This means it could be a regular or daily habit that you'll do. And in the future, this could push you to want to do more because then that current new routine, it gets easier for you. And when I mean a little bit, I really mean it. Yeah, I understand that some people at first, they can't block off an hour workout because that means driving to the gym for 15 minutes, getting ready, cooling down after a workout, then coming back home. You want to work out for an hour, but you realize it actually takes maybe two hours to do the whole process, maybe even longer. I remember back when I didn't have a car, when I first started working out, some of the barriers for me and fitness is that I had to bus to the gym, which added an hour in both directions. And then I'd work out for two hours because I was a kid who didn't know any better. Now, back then for me to work out would have meant I would have had to clear around three hours of my day just for that. Luckily for me, I didn't have any priorities at the time. I didn't have anything else to do, just school and gym. But for an adult with responsibilities, it's usually not going to be reasonable for you to block off three hours in the day just to work out. This is why home workouts can be so good if you're someone who's short on time. The gym is anywhere, really. Grab some dumbbells. Maybe that means investing $50 in yourself. I think I mentioned that earlier, right? Investing in yourself. $50 could get you some dumbbells or adjustable resistance bands. Those are great to start with. Even just one of those pieces of equipment. You can still get in a pretty solid home workout centered around 10 or 15 pound weights. You could do some lunges around the house, buy a yoga mat, do some poses you remember, do some shoulder presses with the bands, literally anything to get yourself moving. So yeah, you can do a full body workout with some body weight movements. If you're a beginner, will you make progress? Yes, of course. Any more effort you put in the right way, you'll usually achieve more results. I say usually because you can also work out too much and you'll be doing more harm to your health than you might realize. So for sure, if you're new to exercise, just 10 pound or 15 pound dumbbells, you can get a good workout in. And that you could just do that in your home, less than 20 minutes, and you'll notice those endorphins, more energy, more muscle gained, lean body mass increase, and all while burning fat, and just feeling happier, which should be up there being a main goal in your life, right? Any kind of movement helps, so move around a bit, even if you're just going to flail your arms as a warm-up or only do arm circles, just do some kind of movement. If you don't have the time to exercise but can block off 15 minutes before noon, for example, or use your lunch break, but yeah, block off at a time that's just for yourself to do anything to benefit you. It doesn't even have to be lifting weights if you don't want it to be. Maybe it means yoga, walking outside, dancing to some music. If you're really in a rut, just find something you enjoy doing that gets you to move for 10 to 15 minutes a day, and that could already be a start to feeling better every day. Doing that habit enough could make you want to move more eventually because that at that time, that seemed like a lot before actually. And then now you're thinking, wait, the 10 minutes are up already. I can actually do that again. Now you're doing that twice a day. You're just going to want to crave more movement because of the way it makes you feel good. And it's the opposite when it comes to being lazy 
Trust me, I've fallen victim to that. I know firsthand that laziness just breeds more laziness. And I'll have some of those days too. We all have those days. But just keep in mind to move more on days or move on more days than you're not moving. (laughs) Okay? That's why a little bit each day helps. Small wins are important if you're someone who's lacking on time. So remember that exercise doesn't always have to just be a set structured workout program where you do shoulder presses for three sets of 12 and rest for 90 seconds. It can just be working out on the spot. I got caught in the no frills lineup this week. Um, That's just the grocery store. And if you're someone who's always who always uses a cart, this could be a time to grab a basket instead. If you're just picking up a few things and carry your groceries instead of just wheeling them around, again, you're expending and using more energy. But also, I got caught in the lineup and I was just doing some casual ISO holds or reps with the basket I had. And I was just switching arms, doing some curls. I mean, that's just an example I thought of. And I probably looked weird, but it's not like I was trying to break a sweat or anything. I was just activating my muscles a little bit. I wasn't like counting my reps out loud and grunting. I'm not that crazy. (laughs) And maybe some people gave me looks, but who cares, man? I was getting bored in that lineup. And instead of spending time on social media there or on my phone scrolling through apps or checking my fantasy team again for the 50th time that day, I just did some light exercise there. Just anywhere on the spot works. Another habit that could help you in terms of getting in some exercise when you feel like you don't have the time Something really simple like just walking after every meal is great, especially now that the weather is getting nicer out, at least where I am. If you don't have time for a half hour to walk, let's say per day, a half hour of time can be a lot in one solid block. So instead, you can take a five to 10 minute walk after every meal. If you eat three meals, that's 30 minutes extra walking you did right there. And that's a pretty good habit to get into. I've, uh, I've actually done that on some days where I feel like I'm trapped in my house. No, my stomach doesn't hurt when I go for walks right after I ate, as long as I ate until I was only around 70 to 80% full. Of course, if I were to stuff myself, the first inclination would be to just take a seat and take it easy, but eating till you're satisfied instead, until you're not hungry, that's a good habit to get into also. But walking every meal... Or walking after every meal is a good habit and a good way to sneak some exercise into your day. Obviously, it would be nice to go outside and do that if you have the luxury. Or you can just walk to the farthest washroom you can think of if you have an office job or something. I don't know. This does not have to be perfect. But your daily habits shape you as a person. So get into the daily habit of exercise somehow. Starting out doing what you like first, that usually helps with sustainability, so doing it more consistently over a lengthy period of time. Invest in yourself, spend $50 and get some dumbbells or resistance bands and challenge yourself with a compound movement. It doesn't have to be a structured workout at first, just have some fun with it, try walking more, you're already going to eat two or three or four times per day. Pair that daily habit with a quick walk afterwards for 5 to 10 minutes and you're going to be moving more throughout the day, which will do wonders for your health in the long run. Question 2. Why you shouldn't be going to full failure during your exercises. 
So here's one that actually I struggled with a lot through my training career. When I first started lifting, I wasn't too young, but still young enough. I was either 22 or 23 years old when I started actually working out. That's because I started college and then I started studying all of this stuff. So before that point, I hadn't really worked out seriously. I mean, I had some dumbbells lying around in my room and I would do some curls every now and then, but that's about it. So when I started lifting, I just had training partners show me their ways. And since my training partners were guys who were actually younger than I was, my training probably looked exactly like what you see all the young guys do at the gym. So that means using weight that was too heavy for me and just doing as many reps with whatever weight on whatever exercise. And I just go until I had no more left to give. It's a pretty common idea to think that just going to absolute failure every set will get you the most progress because you're really pushing the muscle until it literally can't do anymore, right? That means on bench press, the guys would have to lift that weight off of me to rack it. Oh yeah, I'm going to go for another rep. Spot this for me. Even though it was more of a curl for my spotter than a bench press for me at that point. So I've been through this type of training before. It's super common for a new lifter to do this, to go to failure every set. But over the years, the studies have shown that you need to get to a point where, yes, you are pushing yourself pretty hard. But if pushing to failure means you have zero, uh, zero reps left in your set or in the tank there, and even maybe negative one rep if you count the assisted bench press rep... So if failure means you have zero reps left, studies are actually showing that doing your exercises and having two reps in reserve, that's an RIR of two, that's what's actually going to stimulate your muscles enough. There's going to be enough micro tears there to grow and build stronger. And that's also enough stress on your muscles so that you're, you'll actually still be able to recover from it properly. Remember, a pro uh, part of the process, a huge part, is taking the time to have your muscles recover from those micro tears and the stress and micro damages that you do to them from the training session. So really, according to current research, it's really leaning to the fact that you should still be able to do two reps to complete technical failure. I kind of touched on this topic back in February also, if you're interested. Now, speaking to the general public, that means someone fairly inexperienced. If you're new, I don't think this is something that you should really be worrying about. Reaching this goal of two more left, you can even get away with leaving like three to five reps left in the tank because working out will be such a new stimulus for you. But if you are new and you're going to failure, this is where some problems may occur. Maybe injury, maybe dropping the weight unexpectedly on your head or something or getting stuck under the bar on a bench press. It's better safe than sorry when it comes to exercise. Now, just because the studies say what they say doesn't mean that that's what's going to work for everyone. Some people will have to push it more to grow their muscles and some can get away with less. You just have to figure that all out for yourself by trial and error. Keeping notes on your training sessions also helps here. Maybe you do a set with two left in the tank, then feel like you were actually able to recover super fast, maybe in less than 24 hours or something. Maybe you're someone who can just naturally tolerate more pain or something. That's something you have to figure out on your own. If you feel like the limit for you right now is having five left in the tank, 
that might be because you're not used to the feeling of your muscles being worked so hard and that's fine. You'll notice that your resilience over time should improve. You're able to work harder because your body starts to get used to the stress you're putting on it and build stronger, not just in the muscles, also your central nervous system, your CNS gets fired up more and it's able to take more damage and deal with stress better. That comes with experience. So yes, you will have to push yourself in your set. As you get more experienced and more in tune with your body, you'll figure out what two reps left starts to feel like. Maybe after a few months of training, you should be able to get a feel for what a set of doing three sets of inclined bench feels like, what weights to use so that you could do three sets of eight reps. Even though if you really wanted to push it to the limit, like say you could get three sets of 10. So the weight you should be using really is a weight where you could get 10 reps if you were pushing it to the limit, but instead you stop at eight reps because that's going to be enough work right there for most people. If you're new, you have to keep this in mind because you might not have the stability on something like a shoulder press to go all the way to failure. It gets a bit dangerous if you push yourself too hard there. The weight that you're pressing overhead, it has nowhere to fall but on your head, so you need to be careful about this one and only push reps and weights or increase in reps and weight when you're fully comfortable. There's been a ton of research showing that you can still improve and grow strength by keeping your weight and reps actually the same on exercises. You can still be progressive overloading if you keep the weight and reps the same if you change up your tempo. You could do slow negatives or pause at the bottom of the rep and still get the results you're looking for without making the weight heavier. That's because there's more factors that go into improving a lift or exercise besides just increasing weight. So let's say you're doing 105 pounds on incline bench for five reps or so. And I'm going to use this as an example because this morning I was just in the gym explaining this to someone. So this guy was doing 105 pounds on incline bench for five reps. So let's say you do that for a month. That's your routine. 105 pounds for five reps, three sets. It might seem to the average person that this person didn't make progress because the weight and reps didn't change. But let's say you do that for five weeks. If you're performing this exercise properly, you should notice that by the end of the fifth week, you actually notice that the weights feel lighter for you. That means the weight is moving quicker after a few weeks, or you just feel like you have more power and control with said weight on whatever movement you're doing. That's a great sign because you still made progress and didn't have to go up in weight, which is where, again, injuries are more likely to happen. And not even a major injury, it could just be a slight flare-up of your elbow, which could knock back your training a few weeks, and I do my best to try to limit that from happening. So training to failure could actually be holding back the amount of benefits you're actually getting from exercise. This could mean loss of strength and lean body mass if you're not careful. If you're going a bit too hard, you may not be building the body even though you think you are, that's, that's the problem. Again, the most important part of the volume you're doing and how much intensity you're putting into your workouts depends on what you're able to recover from. So no, don't be training to full failure. Most people shouldn't be. And if I'm talking to the general public here, the average Joe, training to failure isn't advisable at all. Who trains to failure more though these days? From what I've seen, it's usually the more advanced folks, at least people with like a few years experience. 
They usually know generally how much volume they can handle when you're starting out. So most of the audience listening, uh, if I'm talking about the general public here, like most of my clients, I don't have a lot of clients where we'd be going to full failure, no need for drop sets and heavy negative ISO holds. For the average person, just training until an RIR of two, and that should be enough to make gains. How do you know that you're making progress? You have to track it and see for yourself. So in case you didn't get it by now, the reason why I mainly say not to train to fit absolute failure is that you could be overtraining, especially if you're someone who works out five or seven days of the week. Depending on what kind of split you're doing, in terms of going to failure, that could mean a bunch of different things. If you're doing maybe, let's say, four chest exercises in one day, and then every single set is pushed where you have no reps left in the tank, unless you're enhanced, man, if you're a natural lifter, that could actually be too much volume there, pushing to redline too many times throughout the week, especially if you're going to hit the same muscle three times a week. Again, this depends on the person. If you're hitting it pretty hard for three times a week, usually you'll see diminished returns after a few weeks or something. Training to failure could just be too much work. For most people, it is to see the benefits in the long run. The danger here is that it might work for a week or two, but eventually you're going to notice that your strength possibly starts to decline after a while. And usually people will just power through that. But then in a year, they're wondering why they didn't make that much progress. And that's pretty much why right there. So I mean full failure, and I mean all the time. Of course, there are still times where training to failure could work for you. Like, for example, you're an advanced trainee and you're going on vacation for a week or something. It makes sense to train to failure on your last session before you leave. That could be a good idea since you'll be spending the majority of the next few days resting, but hopefully doing some kind of active recovery or something like walking on the beach, maybe some swimming also. Like, before I left for Punta Cana late last year, I had a full-body workout, an intense one on that last day, because I knew on vacation I'd be walking around, swimming, recovering, not worrying about where I'm going to get a workout in when I'm on vacation. I worked out when possible, but I didn't stress myself out if I really couldn't work out at all for the week, because it's important to realize that... That vacation was a time to enjoy, sleep in a bit, and in a situation like that, right before you leave for vacation or if you know you're going to spend a weekend or something to recover and recuperate, then training to failure could actually work. For the majority of people though, you'd be better off training to near failure, so keep at least one, probably two reps left in the tank throughout your workout. And if you are planning on resting for a few days in between muscle parts and you're advanced, then you could train closer to failure. But just remember that rest and recovery is where the real growth happens. You got to take your days off from lifting weights and going hard all the time if you're that type of person. Since you have to let your body recover, this is really going to depend on the person and how fast you specifically recover. So if you want, train close to failure, one or two reps shy of complete failure, and judge for yourself to see how quickly you can recover from that. Because how intense you're going to be in your workouts is really going to be dependent on the person we're talking about. I could tell a client to stop two reps short of failure, but if he or she is someone who I know can recover quickly, then maybe an extra rep would be beneficial there. It all depends on the person. So many factors come into play, though. 
I think I have read some studies that suggest that women can actually withstand more workout volume and pushing their intensity a little bit more because it seems like they are just able to recover quickly than males can. So props to the female lifters out there. But for the majority of people, training to failure every single time is not going to be beneficial because you might actually be causing too much damage to your muscles that your body won't be able to recover from. So train hard, but also train smart. And that concludes episode 84 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.